What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo, and today I'm fired up to catch up with my good buddy, Chase Campbell. Chase, how we doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Man, I'm great. I'm great. You know, anytime we get to sit down, chop it up, catch up a little bit, it's always a good time. Always. Uh, before we get rolling too far into this, Chase, you know, since... We've last caught up and we've last got things going. There's been some big changes in what you're doing. It's kind of written all over your chest right now. So let's talk about the the biggest change in in the path of Chase Campbell right now. Yeah, man, it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a you know six seven months. Um, you know, stepped away from a ten year career as a as a strength and conditioning coach, and um, you know, luckily moved into a position with an incredible company in play. Um, Fantastic people, uh, you know, all the way up to our, our owner, Brett, um, and down to, you know, me. We have, uh, we got some really good people. That sounded like a brag on me. We, everybody else, we got really good people. Um, and it's, a, it's an awesome company. We're doing some big things, you know, within the, the equipment and flooring world um, of strength and conditioning. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a big change. Um, definitely different than uh, being on the floor every day coaching. Uh, but really enjoying it, getting to getting to get out and, and meet a lot of coaches, um, some old friends, some new some new friends. Sorry, I have a three month old puppy. You might hear here and there, <laughs> um, but it's been a good time and uh, learning a lot. It's it's different being on the everyone calls it the dark side um, of the profession, you know, on the vendor side, on the uh, on the company side. But um, really enjoying it, learning a lot, and uh, having a good time with it. That's awesome, man. And I love that the uh, being on the floor pun uh, probably was missed by a lot of people. But, you know, I mean, when we're talking about play, we're talking about flooring and, and obviously equipment now with what you guys are building out there. But talking about HQ down in Atlanta um, is probably a cooler thing because plays reached out and they've offered to partner with us with CVASPs and we're going to move. You know, last year we had a blast out in Pittsburgh um it was great you know thanks to todd hammer and jeff moyer uh for all their help with getting it up there and and it was an absolute blast and then you know got to talking to rich after you and i were bouncing ideas around about where we could maybe take this and play hq man down there in the a july 21 22 like this is going to be dope so let's talk a little bit about what people are going to see not just when it comes to presentations, but like literally under their feet when they show up at HQ in July. Yeah, man, we're super excited to host CVASPs um, there at HQ. We got a, a really, really cool facility up there. Um, you know, not only do we have our offices and uh, our manufacturing plant, but we have basically an entire showroom and a functioning performance, you know, facility uh, on our second floor. Um, you know, it's going to house, it houses all of our, our flooring. We've got, uh, you know, our Achieve, uh, what kind of everyone knows as far as our main product, Achieve flooring, um, best weight room flooring in the world. And uh, with, uh, you know, 10 double-sided racks uh, with all of our new equipment up there, bars, plates, um, and then we've got a huge area of turf. Um, and, and it just provides an incredible space to not only train when I, you know, go up there and, and, uh, or go down there, I guess, and visit, but also going to be an incredible space for us to, to host this event. Um, you know, we're going to have the ability to do some practical things, which we haven't been able to do in the past, you know, there at the Marriott, which will be a lot of fun. Um, we have, uh, you know, we have a full basketball court down there so we could get some runs in while we're there. 
um, you know, before or after the conference. And uh, you also be able to see uh, our manufacturing plan, how we're doing things when it comes to, you know, building all of our equipment. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, from where we'll hold some of the presentations, there's a uh, double-sided glass doors that look down into our manufacturing plant. So you can get a really cool bird's eye view of everything going on. Uh, so we're really excited to have you there to host all the, the speakers and the attendees um, and just, you know, provide a little bit of a different environment than what we're used to seeing at CBAS. Yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked for it. I think that, you know, as much as I love having it here, you know, as great of a town as Richmond is and the people that have come, you know, gotten a taste of, of how, like, really special this area is, you know, being able to go to a place that's easier for people to get to, one, was very important to me. Um, and I don't think there is a city in the world that doesn't have a direct flight to Atlanta. So, I mean, that's, you know, that ticked a huge box, but obviously, you know, the space and, you know, the, the support that, you know, everybody, you know, Rich and Randy have always been here and, and helping out and being so supportive of everything that we've done uh, when they were like, yeah, like, let's do this. Uh, to me, it was really a no brainer. It was, you know, I'm really stoked to come down, uh, you know, July 21 and 22 and hopefully bring, you know, the, the typical CVAS atmosphere environment and tremendous group of speakers hopefully uh that that people have grown so accustomed to and and bring about what hopefully is just another awesome weekend of you know education fellowship and camaraderie for our vocation man so i'm, I'm stoked for this yeah it's going to be a great time man. i'm really looking forward to it and and they've always been great at richmond and you've done a phenomenal job hosting um and so you know Pat kind of passing the torch to us, you know, we're going to make sure that we, we blow it out of the water for you guys and for, for everyone attending um, and make sure we do it right. You know, we gotta, we gotta make sure that Seabass and, and, you know, Jade and May are taken care of. And, and then, uh, you know, we want to, we also want to, you know, take the opportunity to let people see what we're doing, uh, which will be pretty cool um, in that, in that environment. And, and uh, you know, with the facility we have, there's tons of space. We're excited to, maybe host an early morning workout, which I don't think we've done before at the, the CVAS. So that'll be a fun little thing we could, we could potentially have happen um, and let people train on, on our equipment. And, you know, cause right now there's, <clears throat> you know, it's all kind of social media, what people are seeing, unless you're at one of the facilities where, you know, we've installed so far. So it'll be a, a cool opportunity for people to come in and, and really see what we're doing and get a hands-on feel for it. Along yeah. with obviously, you know, listening to a great lineup of speakers and, and, the fellowship and the camaraderie and um yeah i'm just really excited we're all really excited and we can't wait yeah man it'll be a blast and i think that you know opening that up and giving people the opportunity to to play with the toys a little bit saturday morning is just a another added bonus of being there because there's the space is cavernous so you know hopefully people don't get too lost and they miss the nine o'clock talk you know because right, they're just exactly. rocking around and they don't know where they're at a lot of new shiny toys up there so it'll be good but you know what uh now we've introduced, you know, that we're moving. We're taking this thing to HQ out there, out there in Atlanta. Let's talk about the speaker lineup. And, you know, first up is you. So let's talk about that, man. Yeah. Um, with you guys helping out and taking a lot of the, the blunt to the workload when it comes to some of the behind-the-scenes aspects of it away, I've, you know, finally kind of caved to to what a lot of people have asked and, and I'll I'll give a little talk here. Um probably going in the direction of how we 
specifically reverse engineer things and it might be a little bit different than what people expect imagine that coming from old graybeard that it's probably going to be a little simpler than you would have expected and it probably is a little bit more general and oh that just kind of walks into each other really it's that simple and yeah um spoiler alert when you've been in here this long you know it, it those are the things that we tend to come up with right is that it's the simple answer is probably the right one so that's the direction we're looking at you know trying to help people understand what all of these posts that i put up that kind of have a, a get off my lawny curmudgeon-y kind of yeah it's really this simple sort of tone to them um so that you understand really what the thought processes are behind what we do um because i think that's fine because i think that like I think that that's what's important when it comes to training, right? Like whether it be, you know, you're a national level weightlifter, um, whether we're looking at your training or we're looking at the guys or we're looking at the swimmers that I get to work with, like how are you actually breaking things down from what you're seeing to transfer to the sporting exercise? And how can you then impact the development and build to have the exercises that have the transfer have greater transfer or have them be better prepared for those exercises that transfer and i don't know i think that that's probably one of the few super bonuses of being in the same place for a long time is being able to have looked at what we do and be like wow that was a great idea we need to go back you know we need to go back to those or being able to look at things and be like, wow, you're an idiot. You know, like it's the best case study you could ask for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to being in the same place for a long time, just like there's pros and cons to moving all the time. But you know, I think the biggest one is we've been able to sit here. That's like the joke, right? Is it's like GPP 8.1 that we're working on right now, right? It's like, what are the things that we're pretty sure impact each other in a positive manner? that allow us to get to the exercises that we deem are most vital for in-season preparation so that they're best ready to prepare and prepared for the game. And when we build that way, how does that look? What is that progression? How does that look year to year? What do we look at that may be different from, you know, Chase Campbell versus Jay DeMeo? Like what are the things that impact that? And, um, hopefully it's something that people would be interested in and they can take something from um and you know i'm sure that there'll be some movie humor and things of that nature applied in there as well but uh yeah i'm excited to do it you know i, I did the first one back when it was in the corner room here in the robin center um and that was just too much so now that i've got you know you guys, you know, so gratefully helping us out and doing so much to take a lot of this off my plate. It's, um, I figured I should probably do this again and, and it'll be fun. I'm excited for it. Yeah, man. I mean, we're, I know I'm excited to watch you present. I mean, I, I wasn't at the first one when you presented. Um, so this will be a, a first for me to get to sit there and watch and, and learn. And man, I tell you what, you talk about simple. Simple was my bread and butter as a coach. You know, the further I got into my career, the simpler I got. Um, and you know, 
maybe that was good. Maybe that was bad, but it, it you know, long-term it seemed to work uh, better than, you know, trying to overcomplicate things. And I remember sending the first couple of programs out to, to my mentor and uh, he's just like, dude, you got to chill out. You're trying to do too much. And so <laughs> I took that to heart. And, and ever since then, I just tried to whittle my programs down to be as, as simple as possible. Yeah, and, man. Uh, sorry, for all the noises. My, my three-month-old puppy is not happy. She's not playing right now. So <laughs> That's fine. Uh, dogs are awesome. I'll never be upset about a dog being involved. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring her down to, to see bass by then. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, man, we're, we're super excited to, to watch you present and watch everyone present. Um, you know, it's, you mentioned, you know, GPP 8.1, uh, you know, Sean Wendell is one of my big mentors. Uh, he, he once told me, and I'm taking this to heart throughout my entire career is everything we do in the weight room is GPP. And, uh, so he's like, just stop thinking that you're doing anything specific in the weight room. And so, and maybe that's a little bit simplistic, but that fits with my, with my philosophy. So I took it to heart and, and have ran with it ever since. So I'm excited to watch you present about it. Uh, I'm excited to see you and excited to get everyone down to HQ. Yeah, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm really excited to, to get to talk about that because in, in one sense, I really do agree that everything we do is general, but if we also talk about how the general needs to impact the specific, well, what are we looking at? in a sense that how can we impact that? What can we do and what have we seen that has carry over to that specific, right? Like there's, there's no way I can do anything that's going to have specific impacts in specific aspects of certain sporting activities. Right. But what can you do in support of it? What can you do to build resiliency with it? What can you do breaking down the, the movement, you know, even the general sporting activities that we all know, right? Like putting, changing direction, <clears throat> agility, sprinting, jumping. Like what can we do that's going to impact those? Mm -hmm. What do we have a pretty good idea is going to have a direct impact on those? And what do we know can help provide greater building blocks for those to be more successful um it's really just kind of the cliff notes probably a little longer winded than should be because it's me um version of what we're going to end out talking about but yeah man i'm, I'm excited to i'm excited more to, to kind of lay it all out there and be like you know this is like it's the same with conditioning it's the same with you know our change of direction work it's the same with our agility work it's the same with acceleration it's the same with our strength work it all we look at it all through a similar lens this is how we look at it this is a few examples of how we progress it so that you can actually see what the method is behind the madness um now tell me it sucks like like if it's i won't be the one to tell you that no but like if it's wrong like tell me why it's wrong if if there's a a better way to to look at it like that's what i i want this to be a conversation everything that we do here is about driving conversation you know and i i still go back to you know bob alejo calling it the 200 person round table and barbecue it wouldn't be that if it wasn't for bob sitting there in gosh it was probably 2016 asking the first question of the day, you know, asking Randy Ballard questions. And it's just like, 
when when the presenters are willing to to ask each other questions and discuss things in front of the whole group then everybody decided to start to talk more and, and be more open to it and that's that's the objective right how can we as a group um come to better conclusions you know here's an example of how we do things is there a more efficient way is there a better way is there you know a more specific way that we can evaluate these things to ensure what we're doing what we're saying we're doing is what we're doing right because it, it's hard because there's so many things that go into winning that we need to look at the things that we can impact positively and, and impact those the best that we can so again like that's why I hire the way I do for the people that come in for these assistant positions. That's why I look for people to come in and speak the way that I do for, for different perspectives and to find better ways to come up with better questions, you know, so that we can get into what we're actually trying to do. And, and that's, you know, like, like Moyer talked about in Pittsburgh last year, find this elusive Holy grail of training that probably doesn't really exist but I don't think any of us are ever going to stop looking for it. Yeah, absolutely. That was really well put, man. And, and to your point about, you know, creating discussion and dialogue and trying to find a better way to do things. I think that that gets lost sometimes in our field because there's this battle on social media of who's doing things better. Someone's doing something wrong. Someone's doing something old. Something's, someone's doing something too new that we don't know if it works yet. And, and there's just a lot of, I don't want to use the word hate but there's a lot of there's a lot of haters you know what i mean and for no reason because we're all trying to accomplish the same thing here and and i've not you know done anything substantial in my career as far as inventing anything new i've begged borrowed and stolen everything i've ever done but that's because i was you know open and willing to listen to people especially people who you know i we had different philosophies on you and i have vastly different philosophies when it comes to training but I've stolen a lot of stuff from you and I've learned a lot of stuff from you that I now implement in my, you know, in my, in my practice. And I think that's super important to grow as a coach and to grow as a practitioner. And so I think that's the one thing that CVAS does such a good job at is you bring in such a variety and wide perspective um, of philosophies that, you know, if you're a hardcore Olympic guy or a hardcore powerlifter guy or hardcore, you know, hit one by 20, whatever you, whatever you think, or whatever you do, you can gain some information from somebody else there as long as you're open and willing to listen, because there's such a wide variety of philosophies coming in from our, from your speakers. Um, and it's not really just honed in on kind of one group of people. It's, it's this, it's this, uh, you know, smorgasbord of, of coaches coming in and, and providing, you know, how they do things. And like you said, you have this open dialogue that happens, I mean, I remember uh, last year um, when Coach Vermeule was there and I, like two and a half hours of a three-hour presentation was Q&A, which was a really cool thing. You know, you got to learn a lot from him and his experience. And um, so, yeah, man, I, I'm just really, really excited to, to listen to you speak. And, and uh, you know, I'm for sure going to be involved in that dialogue because I still have things to learn from you. And, um, yeah, just really, really excited for it. Well, thanks, man. I, you know, and I hope people are excited and they're getting stoked to come down to Atlanta the 21st and 22nd of July, because it's going to be fun. And again, like I just hope with, with the other presenters that are set to come following this show, um, as we announce them here weekly, um, 
I, I just hope that I can live up to the standard that everyone who's given these presentations, you know, the people who have molded what I do and how I think and have pushed me to be not just a better coach, but better at sharing and, and working to make this event everything that it can be. Um, you know, because without these people, you know, I mean, I, I'd love to name them, but I, there's so many of them that I would I'd forget and I'd feel awful coming back that I, I, I left people out. But I think that the one person that I would have to name uh, is Joseph Johnson. You know, I just hope that you know, I, I had a call yesterday with a young strength coach um, and she asked, like, who my mentor was. And I'm like, who would I say my mentor was or who would my mentor allow me to say he is? Um, and I just hope that a lot of what we talk about in this presentation lives up to the teachings that Yosef has provided for me and so many others. Um, because with no Yosef Johnson, there's no Seabass, there's no Jay DeMeo, there's, there's no none of this. And um, I just hope that, you know, giving back this little bit and, and how he really pushed me to turn from a little pebble into this fleecing gray bearded Santa Claus lookalike um snowball that has rolled down the hill of Seabasp. Um like I just I I I hope that it it does Joseph and UAC proud because it's um everything that he's done for us as an entire vocation um is is immeasurable and everything that he's done for me it, it's it's unquantifiable and it's a lot of this is going to be things that he's pointed out um or brought people in that have pointed out or have led to connections that have pointed out. Um, so he's he's kind of the uh, the, the cornerstone of, of all of this. So as much as I hope everybody takes something from it, I hope that uh, I hope that it lives up to his standards mostly. Oh, I have no doubt that it will, man. No doubt. Uh, so moving on here, I want to I want to ask you a couple questions. Just kind of catch up a little bit. Always love asking you questions. I think everyone else, um, you know, enjoys hearing your perspective on things. And so get a little, uh, get a little Q and a going here. So let me, let me ask you this. So let's pretend that doc Brown, Marty McFly show up at your door with the DeLorean, right? Let's, let's hope that most of our, most of the listeners here are old enough to remember all that, um, to get that reference, but you get one trip back in time you get to teach yourself one lesson. What is that lesson and why? So I, I could go one of two ways. One, first of all, if you don't know what this is, hit pause, um, Google Back to the Future, find a way to watch it and and check out that cinematic, yeah. that actual cinematic masterpiece um, from the late 80s. But anyway, um, we could go in two directions with this. We could either go training or we could go outside of training. Which way, which way do you want to go? Uh, let's go outside of training. All right, so this is me selfishly and uh, Mike Tucker and Katie Jones. I hope you're listening to this because I hope that you would say the same thing. I would get dropped right in 2008. Um, actually, I'd probably get dropped in 2006. And I would tell myself, because I'd been here about a year and a half, start saving your money. Okay, read this book on house hacking and start saving your money. Like this housing market that you're in right now is about to have a little pop. Okay, things are about to go for to turn around and you need to be ready to buy a duplex and you need to understand what a house hack means. 
And I would tell myself, when when the housing bubble pops, get yourself in there and you'll be a better coach because you'll be better taken care of financially. Um, kind of along the lines of Biff stealing like the sporting almanac and saying like, go bet on all these games. Uh, but, you know, like cheating and knowing that. But I think that that's one thing, you know, that a, that a lot of us have issues with, you know, I mean, there's a reason Cure's fundamental course has stuff on finance. There's a reason Brett has um, a course on, you know, parts in his courses on finance. Like, because yeah. coaches suck with money, dude. Like, we're bad with it. That's why a lot of us don't retire as coaches. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, but it's in a profession that historically doesn't doesn't pay all that well unless you're in one of the top, you know, two sports. Right. But if there's a way that we can make some small sacrifices, you know, yeah, I mean, like when I started here, I was, you know, paid intern. My first job was, if they posted that on Twitter right now, they would get absolutely just destroyed. What yeah. I was, what I started at, but that didn't keep me from going to the bars every weekend with my buddies. You know, like yeah. that didn't keep me from being social. Like we can make better decisions, so that we can do things that are big plays in the long run. Um, you know, when it's, when you're 24, 25, 26, like I get it. That's hard, man. Like you're not thinking that that's what I would tell myself to think about, you know, because the earlier you set yourself in a positive situation, whether it be through investing, whether it be through real estate, whether it just be saving enough to have an emergency fund. And the faster you get your money to work for you, the faster the ninth wonder of the world kicks in and that's compounding interest. Yeah. You know, and it took me till my late thirties to figure it out. Uh, but the best day to start is today, you mm -hmm. know, obviously it would have been better to start 10 years ago, but the best day to start is today. And I think that coaches need to talk about that stuff more. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially with, with how quickly it can all come crashing down. You know, you're not, job security is not always the best in this field. And so, um, you know, having your finances in order and, and like you said, your money working for you is, is a really, really important um, piece of, of, this, uh, of this profession and, and, you know, how to have longevity. Yeah. And, you know, taking advantage of the simple things, right? Like, are you maxing out your school or employer's retirement fund contributions, whether it be to your your match for your 403b or your 401k like if you're not you realize they're offering you free money mm -hmm. that you're saying yeah i don't want that like we can't complain about not getting paid when they're offering us money and us being like nah i'm good you know yeah and, and unfortunately i think that all too often we look at it and we say oh i got a pay bump i've got a i can now do x y and z and we have what, what's called lifestyle inflation, right? But the better we can be at controlling that and the more that we can set aside for a later day to grow for us, again, not the easiest thing to do. I get it. But the better off we are in the long run. Yeah. You know, so jumping back 2006, talking to myself about house hacking and figuring out what it means to buy a, a duplex and being ready for that when when the market flipped um, would probably be that because I think that then different doors open.
Because the minute your money is in order is the minute you become a better coach. Yeah, absolutely. It's one less thing you have to worry about. And you mm -hmm. can really focus in on what you're doing in the, in the weight room and, and with your athletes. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, I'm with you, man. I've been there, and one of the biggest stressors in life is money. And like you said, if you can take care of that and have it all handled, you can you can devote yourself to coaching a little bit more. Yeah, and I'm not sitting here trying to be like, dude, like I'm sitting here like rolling in a Bentley or whatever like that. Like, no, like I'm, I still make a modest strength coach salary, right? But like it, it took me getting slapped in the face a little bit and to figure some things out and to make some dumb decisions and some dumb choices to, to understand that, you know, it, it's funny, like a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, my father's been telling me about that. Yeah, you know, like your parents are usually right about that stuff. Got to figure it out. You know, like, because because newsflash they did all the dumb shit too yeah oh yeah you know like so Man, i can't tell you how many times i i talked to my my parents about something and and they you know they give me advice and i go no i'm gonna i'm gonna do it my way and then you come back a couple months or maybe a year later and be like damn it you were right you know and it took me probably till my late 20s to start just accepting their advice first time through realizing that they're probably right yeah man like my dad and Doc Yesis are probably the two people that when they say this is how it goes, it's like, yep, it's just, that's what we're doing. That's how it goes, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I got I got another question for you. Uh, great answer, by the way. I think, like you said, you know, financial stability and, and uh, taking care of yourself in that manner is, is something that us as coaches need to do a better job at. And there needs to be more information or resources to teach us how to do that. Um, cause you know, when I first started, that wasn't something that was talked about really at conferences and, and, and clinics. So, um, really like that, that answer. Uh, so speaking of answers, uh, there's a lot of us, myself included at, at times in my career who have pretended to have all the answers. Right. Um, but you know, we don't, no one does, you know, and, uh, I sure as heck don't. Um, but you know, what is one question that you feel that us as a profession um, are, are, are missing the opportunity to ask? What's the one question we haven't asked yet? Um, why do you think that's important? And what impact do you see it having on our profession? Do they understand? I think that that's the big one. And I think that, you know, what we all like to talk about when it comes to training is like how the program should after they've been wherever they are for a year or two, that it basically should just run on its own. But does it run on its own just because you kind of like, like you've trained the dog, you know, or does it run on its own because they actually understand what you're trying to do? Like, do they understand why you're doing what you're doing do they understand the progression can they at least see what's going on can you talk them through it and then go oh that makes sense because of and and that sort of thing are you talking uh, about the are you talking about the, the athletes like do the athletes okay yeah yeah do the do your players understand yeah i mean does your staff understand mm -hmm. you know like when when your coaching staff comes through and they see what's going on it, you know can you talk them through it and show them the progression and whether they care or not is a whole nother topic of conversation, but do they understand? Is it, does it make sense? And can they understand, you know? And I think that that's, we talk about buy-in all the time, right. And, uh, you know, again, not to keep saying his name, but like 
Brett has really changed how people look at that and communication and those sort of things in our world. But at the end of the day, buy-in starts with them understanding what's going on and why it's going on and where they're going with these progressions. So if they're just showing up and doing what's written on a card because JD said so, and they don't want to deal with the bullshit that comes from not doing it, then they're never going to yield the results that they should if they don't understand why we're doing this work for your big toe. Why are we doing exercises to progress to reverse loading? Why are we doing bounces that progress from forward to vertical to single leg? Like, why are we doing extensive, you know, short coupling jumps versus landing and snap downs? Like, why are we doing this instead of that? Like, if if they don't understand why, especially in today's society, when they can pick these, you know, these Apple devices up and they can look and see 12 trillion different people doing 11 billion different things on Instagram or whatever, of course, they're just going to be like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. But if they at least understand, you know, why you're doing it and, and what is going on and what the goal of it is, then they can understand what the conversation needs to be around it. You know, it's not just autonomy because Chase likes front squats and I like back squats. It's autonomy because Chase now says, when I load this way, it helps with my knee because of this. Like, you know, uh, during COVID, I had a great conversation with Alec Kirshner about that, where one of the women at Stanford was like, I'm going to build an exercise because doing it, this exercise helps with my knee and doing this helps with my knee. So if I do them together, this might help with the quad that helps my knee feel better. That's the conversation that you want them to have. Yeah, absolutely. That's got it. That, that, that was probably a really cool, really cool moment for Alec. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and they won the national championship that year. That helps for sure. <laughs> no, that's a good one, man. Uh, yeah. That was always a, a big, a big thing for me is my athletes understanding the why behind what we were doing. Um, I didn't need them to be exercise physiologists or practitioners that could run a session, but I always wanted my, my athletes or the athletes that I worked with to understand the reasoning behind why we're doing what we're doing. Um, a, I thought, like you said, it could help, you know, create some buy-in. Now they understand, you know, why we're doing this specific exercise and where it's going to help their game or help them stay safe or whatever it may be, help, help them improve in areas that they think they're lacking. Um, so you know, being able to connect the dots for them, I thought was really important. Um, and, and being able to explain it in a way that they'll understand as far as, you know, I don't need to get super you know technical and in-depth into exercise science and biomechanics and i need you to understand why this is going to help you cut i need to understand you to understand why this is going to help you uh your first step you know what i mean whatever whatever it may be I, they, i've got to be able to translate it from the weight room to the court and, and connect the dots for them and so if they can if they can understand why we're doing what we're doing and how it's going to help them improve in their game then bam you got buy-in you know you got instant buy-in so um, I never had an experience like Allie had where I had an athlete, you know, get that in depth into it, but that, you know, we had some, we had some pretty cool moments throughout my career where, where you can see the light bulb turn on 
Um, and it really, it really invigorates you and, and kind of, um, reignites that passion of like, all right, we're making a difference here. You know, we're, we're, we're helping these kids, um, you know, chase their dreams, uh, chase their goals. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do. So. Yeah. And then it helps them be more involved in the training process, which again, snowball just starts picking up steam and the more involvement they have with autonomy and building things with you, the, the more they're going to be committed to it in theory. Yeah. Um, and then you go from there. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I can think about two, two instances off the top of my head where, you know, it kind of plays into this question, but back when I was in grad school with Jason Roberson and Mandy Harrison at ball state, two of the best people in the world. Um, we would, one of my favorite times, one of our favorite times would be during like a dead week period, you know, kind of right before finals or whatever, maybe where athletes could come in open hours. We just couldn't coach. We could, we could supervise essentially. And so it would be really interesting to see, especially for like an off season athlete where maybe they weren't, you know, on a strict program at that time, um, about ready to head home for break, you know, it depend on the sport is can they put together a session on their own? Like, can they intelligently think through, all right, what did we do last week? What is it, you know, what progression am I taking this week? What injuries do I, or, or issues, if any, do I have going on and how can I, you know, still train, but, you know, work around that. So it was, it was always really interesting to see an athlete try to build a session on their own and see if they actually learn anything from you. You know, as a coach, you can give, you know, NCAA rules and all that. You can give advice and all that. But, like, you know, technically speaking, we weren't allowed to give them programs at the time. So it was always fun to watch, you know, who's paying attention, who's learning, and who do you need to do a, a little bit better job of trying to get through to. That was always a fun time. And then whenever I would have, you know, in a more recently in my career, whenever I have an athlete uh, ask for extra work, those are the sessions that I would provide a ton of autonomy on because I want to know what do you think you need to work on? Are we seeing the same thing or are you seeing or feeling something that I'm not seeing? Because obviously you're much more in tune with your body because you're living in it every day. So those are always really interesting sessions of a, are they realistic about what they're feeling or what they're seeing within their own game? B is it matching up with what I'm seeing or what our data is showing? And then C, have they learned and listened enough throughout our training process prior to that, that they can then build a session based off of, you know, A and B, you know, what are they feeling? What are they thinking to work on? Have they learned enough to pick things from our previous or past training experiences to then influence that training session and make improvements off of, you know, what they, again, A and B, what they feel like they need or, um, you know, what we're seeing as far as their game. So those, those are, that was always a really interesting time for me of those voluntary sessions, those extra sessions where we didn't really, I always hated the idea of extra work because it, to me, it was like, well, I got this, I got this plan, man. We're, we're, we're planned out. I don't need you to dive deeper into it. But I also hated the idea of turning it down and trying to pull the reins back on a kid. Right. Because you hate to do that. Um, and so like I said, I would use it as a time to create and build some real autonomy with these athletes and to, and to learn really, it was a big learning session for me, just as much as it was for them. And if I gave them the autonomy to do that, 
I was never too worried about ruining our, our quote unquote plan from a volume or intensity standpoint. Cause for the most part, none of the, you know, kid comes in for extra work. He's not going to come in and do, you know, max out trap bar deadlifts. You know what I mean? So never really had to worry about that, but that was a really interesting uh, time for me when it came to, um, you know, that, that, uh, that idea of, of athletes learning from us and, and um, understanding, like you said. Yeah. And that's when it's fun. Yeah, for sure. All right. I got one more question for you. Um, this is kind of a big one. Um, but what is, uh, you know, a major change you've made in your career that has improved your life, both at and away from work? And what brought you to that crossroad? And I think that's a pretty deep question. Um, so really think about this one for me. Well, the simple answer is getting yelled at because we had a terrible seminar that we did here. It wasn't even a seminar. It was just like a clinic that we did here that was basically to cover a bar tab. And then uh, my director at the time found out that I gave Charles a little bit of help for the basketball symposium that started it. And that's what led to having CVASP. Um I think that that would probably be the easiest answer to give there because, you know, if it wasn't for that initial um, push, let's just say, um, in that conversation, like none of this would exist. You know, it, it wouldn't have been, I never would have met Yosef. We never would have brought Doc in. We never would have brought Natalia in. You know, Victor Silyunov would have never spoken in in America. Like there'd be hundreds, if not thousands, of coaches that wouldn't still understand. You know what Valdesdaken is speaking about. There would be, you know, just uh, from from beginning to end. You know, there people still wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to see, you know, the, the, the practice scheduling and, and the building of the greatest Olympian of all time, you know, what, what Keenan talked about. I mean, just, just things that have been shared and discussed, you know, and then, you know, just the connections that have been made around CVAS. Like, I think that the, the thing that I really am probably the proudest of um, is the number of people that are like, I got a job because I was at CVASP, you know, I met this person that, you know, it led to this, I led this, I met that person that led to that. And, you know, the amount of things that not just for me and the friendships and, you know, I mean, that's just the colleagues that I've connected with through all of this and, you know, hopefully the, the evergreen impact of like the books and the podcasts and, you know, the, the content that we put out that, that will hopefully have on, you know, the impact it'll have on coaches in the future, but the, the footprint that it's made um, on myself when it comes to connecting with other, I mean, shoot, we wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for it, you know, I mean, that was the start of it. You know, we, we knew each other basically before we got to Rhode Island because of all this, you know, and yeah, was... that's, yeah. I mean, you and I met because of, because of CVAS, it was uh, Dan Roos. He got mm -hmm. us in contact and, and I think I wrote an article or something for you. And then ever since. Yeah. 
You've become yeah. one of my best friends in the profession. Speaking of Charles, he just called me. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, I got to hit him back. But um, uh, yeah, man, I mean, the I'm incredibly thankful for Steve Vass because A, it led to a friendship, you know, with you. Um, and again, I consider you one of my best friends in the profession. Um, and then the, the amount of learning that that I've taken from CVAS has been, it's it's been instrumental in my career. Again, from people who we had similar philosophies with, and then from people who had vastly different philosophies from, but I've learned something from all of them. Uh, and it's been huge for me. So I'm super appreciative. I know other people are. Um, it's always a blast coming to coming to the event. And uh, yeah, looking forward to another one, man. And, and really glad that, that that happened for you, that that change and that crossroad, because, you know, I don't know if you and I'd be as close as we are right now if it weren't for that. So yeah, man. And it's, it's just something that I think is, it started as, like I said, getting kind of called out and it turned into, in my opinion, the best nickname in college strength and conditioning. So, you know, I mean, like what, what can we do here? You know, it's just, it's fun and we have a good time with all of it. And the minute it stops being fun is, is the minute I stop doing things, you know, and it, it just, it is like, you know, I mean, even from professionally, you know, with what we do here, I joked when, when Andy was here on his interview for our sports med position, I'm like, there's nobody that's going to have more fun at the end of the bench than us. And I'm like, if it's not us, it's just going to be me. Cause when the game starts, we're done. All I'm doing is setting a stool and patting people on the butt saying, good job. So, I mean, and, like, uh, yeah, like, so I'm going to have fun with it. You know, I'm going to talk with people. I'm going to cheer the guys on. I'm going to have a blast, you know, and doing these shows. You know, it, it stopped for a while because it got to be too much, you know, but, you know, I'd like to bring them back when it's this time so we can talk with people and get it back out there. And, you know, I think that a lot of, you know, these three questions I think are evergreen. I think that this is stuff that no matter what, you know, with, with the other people that we're going to have on here um, that are going to be part of the event, I think that their answers to these questions are going to be evergreen. And that that's what has been, you know, the the whole thing from the beginning, whether it be the seminar to the podcasts to the my thoughts mondays to the outside the racks to the seven books you see over my right shoulder you know it, it all is about what are things that are always going to be able to be utilized and contributing to what we do for everyone to be better in some way shape or form and you know i don't i don't know if he takes any credit for it but but he should you know b should take a lot of credit for it um because he was the driving factor behind it and yeah man you know if it wasn't for from charles replying to an email saying that i you know back in the day when it was still okay to send emails to everybody that you could find on a mailing list um <laughs> hey what would your interest be on a basketball symposium but to his reply of funny you should ask <laughs> um this wouldn't be here you know and I owe a lot to those two guys, you know, directly and indirectly um, because they started the ball rolling. And then of course, you know, like I talked about Yosef and then there's so many other people that ha have pushed this to be where it was because, you know, like you said, you know, Roos hooked us up. Like the, the, the driving factor behind it is learn from the people that I wanted to learn from and then find the people that they wanted to learn from because 
if I think that you're smarter than I am and doing things better than I am, and then you say someone is doing it better than you, well, then I pretty damn well sure better sit my butt down and listen to what that person's got to say. Yeah, absolutely. I know that's, again, that's just simpleton graybeard jargon, if you may, <laughs> but it's the truth. You know, like, again, we overcomplicate it. It's like, oh, well, I want to know how this person uh, modifies this sort of programming. I, I don't care about that. I care about how the person built the program. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I don't I don't want to know how some random person progresses to depth jumps. I want to know how Yuri Verkashansky did it. Yeah. Because I don't know, it might have been Yosef or it might have been Moyer or it might have been the late Bob Eilenfeld that said this. When people want to change what Verkasensky, Yesis, or Bondarchuk did, do you think that they weren't smart enough to have already figured that out? Like anybody who was smart enough to figure it out, it's those three guys. Yeah, I I'm, I just sit here and people are like, well, you have to do this for depth jump, and it's like, really? Because Verkasensky doesn't say so, yeah. and uh, that now there's there's been two of them who have gone through this, and both of their first names are Doctor. So <laughs> I don't know, like I don't question Natalia. Like, I don't question Doc. Like, I learned the hard way. When you go against what they say, you're wrong. Like, it's just, you're wrong. Like, yeah. I was wrong, you know? And sometimes you just got to sit down at the table and eat your vegetables, you know? Like, they, they did the research. They built the things. Like, they know the answers. Yeah. You know? I tell you what, I sure as hell don't know the answers. Yeah. Never claim to. And more often than not, when you bring up the thought that you had, they'll be like, yeah, that was okay, but this was better. Yeah, we had that thought too. We figured it out. <laughs> yeah, we tried that for you. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, like it's peanut butter and jelly for a reason. Like people tried other things with it, you know, and it's. That's a great reference or a great analogy. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, I, I tell you what, man, we're, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, we're super excited to, to bring Seabass to, to play HQ in Atlanta um, this coming July. Really excited to, to take the event, hopefully, to a new level uh, with the, the space we have, the facilities we have, and, and then the people we have. Um, yeah, man, we're, we're really excited. It's going to be a hot one, so we'll have some, we'll have some cold beer after. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a good time. We're going we're gonna to do it right. Um, and we're going to make sure we take care of CVAS and, and everybody that's attending and speaking. Stoked, man. I can't wait. This is going to be an absolute blast. And I can't thank you all enough for, you know, your hospitality and reaching out and your support of everything that we've done. And then we continue to build here because it's, it means the world to me uh, and the impact that, that you guys have had on what we continue to try to build daily here is, is immeasurable. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're, you know, we're happy to be a part of it and happy to support. And, and you know me, man, I'm happy to just be around you. So I'm excited. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks again for taking the time to be with us today. And uh, thank you all for spending the time with us. You know, as, as always, we're, we're truly appreciative of everything that y'all that are listening here do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. And we'll be back next week with another awesome presenter. One that is going to be way better than me. <laughs> and I know this from experience. So we will see you then.